It's time for To The Last Drop Podcast with Liam Delcom and Brandon Nell. This is To The Last Drop. I'm Liam Delcom and with me as usual is Brendan Nell. Welcome, Brendan. Yeah, Liam, good to be here. So it's like the Christmas spirit. Uh, I feel that we, we, we should be intri- introducing ourselves with like Mariah Carey songs or something. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I know it's close to Christmas, but uh, I always um, have this feeling of dread. The closer you get to the day, uh, the more you're exposed to to these songs. I mean, I've probably still got nightmares of Boney M in the 80s. Oh, oh yes. Uh, she, my, um, my missus works, worked in a shopping center when I met her. Well, she, she was doing the retail PR for them. And that used to sing all the, that, that little drummer oh. um, that was, oh, dear. Uh, my, my favorite Christmas carol, just to, uh, not that anybody really wants to know, but I'm going to tell anyway, is, um, uh, a, a lovely choral, um, melody called Carol of the Bells, which is very sweet and a very far cry from Mariah Carey, at least. Mm, yeah. What's your favorite? Yeah, it's not my favorite, but I was thinking, I was reminded when I said Boney M, I was reminded of Christmas at sea because I often feel Ooh, like I'm at sea. Dance, but anyway. This. Uh, oh, oh, dear. Okay, no, let's stop. <laughs> let's stop. Let's uh, keep our eyes on the ball. Uh, I was about to say we've got a bumper show today. Uh, it's actually not a bumper show as much in terms of a, a ton of content, but we've got a very significant guest uh, in the shape of uh, Bulls director of rugby and former Springboard coach Jake White. Yeah, I mean, Jake, I must admit, it's the big games this week, the Stormers and the Bulls, and we're all looking forward to that. Uh, can can the Bulls break their six-game duck against John Dobson's Stormers? We've had John Dobson on the show before on the podcast, uh, so we thought it only right to getting Jake. And uh, must be, it's nice to know that he, we're the only podcast he's doing this week. He hasn't done many interviews, and so it's great to get him on. Yeah, and he was uh, most forthcoming. I mean, he, um, he I won't say shared intimate secrets or anything like that, but... Um, whenever we fired a straight question, he gave us a straight answer, as you'd expect with Jake. I mean, he's not one to, to shy away. Yeah, I must admit, I even teased him a bit about the Aussie job being, being open, and uh, he, he, <laughs> he answered that one quite with a straight bat there as well. But listen, don't take our word for it. Yes, I'll chat with Jake. Um, have a listen, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. This episode of To The Last Drop is sponsored by the Listen Audio app, where you can stream all your favorite radio stations catch up on the latest news and entertainment and dive into captivating podcasts all on one app. So you know what you got to do? You got to go download Listen. That's L-I-S-T-N, spelled a bit differently than you would have thought, L-I-S-T-N, from the App Store or Google Play. The Listen audio app, everywhere you are. Jake, welcome. Uh, welcome. Glad joining us. It's obviously end of the year. It's our last pod for the year. So, um, And also your last game for the year. Huge, huge one coming up. Stormers, um, just the word on this. Everyone's going to talk about the record against John Dobson. Uh, just your thoughts going into this game. Yeah, look, um, Ben, you were earlier at a press conference. Um, and it's, I always said, even when I was a schoolmaster and we used to play a big derby, I always used to say to the old boys and to, to the players that were playing that as long as that big derby game stays the biggest game in Joburg, um, then I'm doing my job, and no different at the at the Bulls. I think if the North South derby is the big game, everyone talks about. If it's the big game, everyone you know looks forward to. Um, and as I said, you know whether it was Northern Transvaal against Western Province in the old days, or it's Bulls versus Stormers now, um, it's a yeah, it's 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 a massive game. Um, 
and and as long as it, as I said, I, I know we're getting it right. When you can see there's podcasts, there's media, there's you know there's lots of journalists asking lots of questions, and therefore I know that you know both provinces are doing their, their work in terms of making sure that it's it's as big as it should be. Jack, if I can just jump in there uh, on the same score, uh, does this game take on even greater significance for you? When I say you, I mean the Bulls. Um, when you look at the progress you've made over the last year, uh, is this the kind of fixture where you think that um, you know this game is the yardstick by which you measure that, or or is that wrong? Would it be wrong? Yeah, to yeah, me? I mean, you know, again, I must be, tell you. I mean, these guys have been finalists in the same competition for two years. Um, once they won and once they lost narrowly to Munster. So in terms of the competition, they are um, they are the most consistent team in the comp. Um, and the last two years, they've they've seemed to have the recipe of how to do it. Um, so it is it is a benchmark for us. It's a it's a wonderful benchmark. I mean, they lost the final at home. They won a final against us at home. It's a tough place to 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 win. Um, and you saw last weekend they beat Loris Shell, European champions, uh, at home. So you know it's it's it is a it's a wonderful measurement for us, and and it is a it is a it is a, a, a way for us to see whether we have progressed. I, I don't think it's do or die. I don't think we lose the competition or win the competition on the weekend, um, but definitely um, it, it, it's for me it's a wonderful opportunity to see if we can build on the last couple of weeks that we've had. Uh, this group that are playing um, that stayed behind. I mean, they've beaten Saracens, they've beaten Connacht comfortably, they beat the Sharks comfortably. So they're also in a good place uh, to take on, you know, the URC finalists from last year and the URC champions of the year before. So, yeah, and, and coming off the back of beating the European champions, so or the Champions Cup champions. So I think it's a great, great measurement for us. Jack, I was going to say, um, I know a lot of people in the hype obviously gets cranked up in the week like this, and we all do our jobs in trying to promote the game and get people interested in that. Um, and a lot is made about the rivalry with John Dobson, et cetera. Um, you've been in this game a long, long time. Uh, this is not the first coach you've probably had a rivalry with, et cetera. Uh, just it, maybe take us just behind the scenes with it. Is there such a rivalry? I mean, or is it just the hype in, in front of the cameras and, and you know, to get the game solved? Yeah, look, I think it, Brent, I think to be fair, I think it's media driven. Eh? I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time I spoke to Dobson. Um, you know, I don't have much to do with him. Um, you know, just like I don't interact with other coaches, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I suppose it's a media thing. And, and it's, you know, if it brings, brings people to the game and it gets people interested, that's part of our jobs as well to fill stadiums. Um, and as I said in the beginning of the podcast, it's, uh, it's also important to make sure it becomes a massive derby and stays a massive derby. And, you know, some guys will write about the rivalry between coaches. You know, I haven't, I think if we've played each other maybe 20 times, I suppose Bulls have probably won more than we've lost anyway. So it depends which stat you want to look at. Um, you know, URC hasn't been kind to us, uh, and I'm talking about as a competition um, against them. But, you know, it's a new year um, and, and a new team and, um, you know, and a different time in terms of where we are as a team and a different time to where they are as a team. So, you know, I, I suppose in a, in a roundabout way, it's got nothing to do with, you know, I'm not coaching, I'm coaching a team to play rugby. I'm not coaching against an individual and 
and I'm sure it's the same way around the other way. Jake, you've you've been around for a while, and you probably would have noticed, uh, you know, the, the changes in the way the, the game is perceived, and the way, uh, you know, the discourse around the game, and also the sideshows around the game. And one of the things you address now is is that very fact. I mean, how does that sit with you? You know, there's always, uh, not always, but you know, with big games, there's always talk around the things that often doesn't really matter. I mean, how does that yeah. sit with you? Yeah, it's Liam. I'm glad you asked that. You know, I I'm I don't enjoy sideshows. I mean, players will tell you, and if you watch carefully, you'll see the bulls we score trials. We don't run around, and you know, it's one of the things I talk about. Uh, we don't, you know, I don't enjoy sideshows. I don't enjoy people trying to, you know, stick out and you just do your job. You know? And and these sort of fixtures, the big fixtures, look after themselves. Um, one of the greatest compliments I've had in my coaching time was I read an article the other day saying the Bulls aren't the same as the old days where they just used to bash and now they got much more to their game. And again, over time, that's probably something that I've worked on as a coach and learned as a coach. Having coached in Japan, France, Australia uh, and coached South African sites is to try and get teams to play differently. So yeah, for me, to answer your question and, and continue with that theme, I, I'm not a sideshow guy. I am old school. You know, I was a schoolmaster. I enjoy the old values of the game. Um, and when, you know, all these things about, as I said, off the field and, you know, they, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been doing it for 40-odd years, Liam, so I'm, I really don't get distracted with all the sort of noise that's on the periphery. If I may just uh, do a quick follow-up, um, you've been a coach for a while, as you've just pointed out. Um, what is the big thing that you've had to unlearn over that period? You know, if you compare yourself to a young coach starting out to Jake White 40 years down the line. Yeah, you, Liam, uh, look, I, I think what I've probably got to understand is you can't control everything. Um, I probably never, ever, ever, ever in 40 years have put the best team I've ever been able to put on the field on the field. And I say that because in your mind, you always have the perfect team and then there's an injury or there's a, you know, there's a reason why some guy can't play or, you know, there's late withdrawal or there's, so I suppose I've, I've grown to understand that you can't control those things. And I suppose the other thing that I've really worked hard on and it's come over time is um, it's not life and death. It's, uh, you know, I think when you're a young coach, you, you, you get very worried about the future and you get worried about your career and you get worried about, about you know, where you're going to be next week if the team doesn't perform. I've probably afforded myself in the last couple of years where I am now with, with unbelievable shareholders, with a president and a CEO that are so aligned that I don't come to work on Mondays thinking, I don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind. It doesn't cross my mind about that sort of uh, external pressure. Uh, and I think that's probably helps a lot, probably helps me with my coaches, uh, getting them to understand that they just got to do their jobs and we can control what we can control. Um, and that's what makes it so nice. I mean, I go into this massive game, and I say massive because we don't underestimate. They, they were champions a year ago, two years ago. They were finalists a year ago. They are the form team. I mean, you know, they, they, they must admit they're the form team in terms of the last two seasons. Um, and it's, uh, you, you know, you said it earlier, it's a wonderful time for us to judge and see where we are. Um, and maybe we're not where we need to be, and that's that's internal. You know, that's that's an internal thing where we 
we need to grow as a group. Um, I said to I said to Brendan earlier when we started, you know, Mornay Smith had tighted, Gerard uh, Steenkamp had loosened, Johan Grobler, they were 20, 21-year-old players. Now they 23, 24, you know, they're obviously a lot more mature. We've added Acker, we've added Wilco Lowe. So it's a great, you know, I think it's a great uh, place for us to be now with the added values we've got as well as a, as a personnel in terms of player and coaches. Yeah, Jackie, you mentioned there about never having to play the, your best team. And I think that's the one thing we often don't see from the outside. Um, I mean, there was a lot of excitement. I'll give you just an example. Last year, signing a guy like Jacques Dupassi, um, yeah, him coming in. Uh, this year, Giannis Kirsten, uh, Henry Immelman for the start of the season. And suddenly these guys come in and then, yeah, they get injured in a freak accident in practice or something. And then you don't see them for the entire season. And, um, I think that must be frustrating when you've got all those sort of plans and for where you want to play in certain players' roles. And then suddenly, yeah, they're out for the season that, and I don't think people understand that on the outside, you sometimes those, those things are very much out of your control. Exactly that, Brendan. That's why I said you never really ever. I mean, I would have had a picture in my mind about, I'm using Giannis as an example. Giannis would have been able to cover lock and flank. He would have been always a great guy to have in the 23. You can rotate him with certain other players. You can try him, uh, you know, in a combination with another lock um, and see what he's like. Only to, you know, only to get him injured with a, with a, with a really bad injury in his foot, which meant you out for five, six months. And that's just one example. You know, one of the examples I, I sort of remember my very first test match, uh, we played against um, a Central Unions team. I, was, I hadn't been the Springbok coach for three weeks. We played the Central Unions team prior to the first test in Bloemfontein. And in that, I mean, I only had 28 guys at the camp. And in that three weeks, I lost Ashwin Willemse, I lost Van Rotenbach, I lost David Barry. Um, I lost uh, Joan Smith with an hamstring injury, and I can't remember who the fifth player was, but I lost someone else, you know. And so, I mean, literally came in, you know, Eno Mens came in on the wing, Wayne Julius came into center, CJ van der Linde came in for Fahan Rotenbach, and I think Harry, Harry Brits came in for, for Joan Smith. Now, I mean, just shows you, I mean, and I panicked, I panicked and, and I say, I mean, I remember not externally, but I remember going to my room thinking, geez, how can we make five changes and are we going to be okay and how can it happen in my first week? And that was when I was a young, you know, obviously young coach. Now, I mean, you know, it can happen literally in practice today. A guy can end up twisting his ankle and being out for the weekend and then you've got to, you've got to make sure you make a plan. You know? And I think what that, what that teaches you is that you've got to, You've got to coach differently. You know, I think it's not like the old days where you take your little A team away and they train together and you have them for the whole season. I think coaching has changed an enormous amount because with 55 players and the possibility of not having two or three or four or whatever the story is over a period of time means you've got to think a bit differently. Yering, you speak so passionately about the build-up to your first test. How much do you miss that? You know, coaching at test level? Yeah, Liam, I must say, that's probably, and this wasn't even, you know, as I said, I'm, I don't know why you asked me that, but if you, I'm being, it's probably one of the biggest things I've, I've, I've missed is the, I was an international coach at 40. I was a, I was a World Cup winner at 43, and I never coached international rugby again. Now, 
You know, that's like me telling you Kane and Moody will never play Test Rugby again after he's won a World Cup at 20. Um, so it's not something that I'm, you know, I suppose it, it, it's not something that I'm happy about. But, hey, you know, if I had to do my coaching all over again and you had set me as a young boy, I would have been lucky enough to have coached the Springboks and I'd be lucky enough to have won a World Cup and I would have had to sacrifice the fact that I never coached international again, I probably would have taken it anyway. But... It's not. It's not something that I, you know, I often think about what it would have been like to have coached international rugby for a longer period of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying this project now. It's a little bit, I suppose, déjà vu to where I was with the box. I mean, I remember taking over the spring box. We got guys like Skulkberger, Free Dupria, um, John Smith as a young 24-year-old captain. Um, you know, Ricky January, a youngster, Jean de Villiers, a youngster, Ashwin Willemster, a youngster. You know, um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, as I said, it's a little bit similar to where I am now. Cameron Hanekoms, the job, you know, the Jan Hendrik Vessels, the, yeah, the, the youngsters that are coming through. It sort of, it makes me sort of fall back on those memories, Liam, which are very fond memories as well. So I, I've got a wonderful project now. Um, where I am with the Bulls, and 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 although it's never going to be the same, or although it's never, you know, it's not the same, um, because having getting tested on the international stage against the best players in the world, but you know, it, it is it's a place that I'm really enjoying being at. Jake, I was gonna I was gonna say we could always start a rumor here and um, and say that Eddie's uh, left the job open somewhere across <laughs> the pond there uh, across the ocean, uh, but I suppose we shouldn't feel those rumors because they tend to become stories again. Then, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, one of the things I've learned over time as well, Brendan. My name always used to seem to pop up, and uh, I got the feeling it was always to give credence to the to the shortlist. Um, even though it wasn't true at times, um, but it was put on the shortlist to give credence to this process. Um, and then, you know, only, only to, to know that it's not a possibility. So it's not a possibility on the record. It's not a possibility. I am where I am coaching here. Um, yeah. And as much as I miss test rugby, it's, uh, it's not on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of where the URC is now, where South African teams are, maybe a bit of bigger picture question for me is uh, we see teams adapting with the, with the squad depth and, and bringing in more players. Uh, just where do you think that's going to develop going in, going in the future and how far away? Cause we've spoken about this quite a bit in our press conferences and stuff. Uh, how far away are South African teams from ever maybe challenging for a European championship or a Champions Cup? Uh, I know, I know there's, there's quite big differences in player budgets and things like that, but do you think we'll ever get there? No, no. Um, and when I say that, I, I, not that I don't want to, but I mean, I, I, you've just answered the question. If the salary budget is 13 million euros um, for French teams and the salary budgets here are like they are, um, you know, it's like football. All the rich teams in football are at the top and all the struggling teams that don't have money are at the bottom of the premiership. Now, that's what, you know, that's just the nature of the beast, Brendan. Um, and that is something that I've, I will continue to bang the door down is I would like the best players in South Africa to play in our franchises. I would love the, I'd love SA Rugby and the people that are in charge of rugby in South Africa 
to make a public statement that the best players in South Africa should be should be playing for South African franchises. I mean, you know, I'm expecting 40, 50,000 people this weekend, and that's wonderful at the stadium. But can you imagine if Jason Jenkins, Ergius Neyman, Jesse Creel, Andre Pollard, uh, Ivan van Sale were playing for us this weekend with the squad we have, and they had, you know, kids off and all the players that have left over the time, you know, Sia and all those guys playing for province, what kind of, what kind of statement that would be in South Africa? Um, and so, yeah, as I said, I will keep banging that drum um, as a provincial coach and as a guy who coaches in South Africa, we've got to make sure that the game in South Africa stays strong and we're not going to get anywhere if, I mean, we played Leon on the weekend and they had a New Zealand hooker and they had a South African flank and they had a New Zealand number eight and they had an Australian inside centre and they had an Italian scrum off and an Italian winger. I mean, you do your, you do your own sums. You know, we're not playing against the French team. We're playing against a we're playing against a team that's made up of international players from around the world. And if we're only going to pick the players that are available in South Africa um, and think that we're going to consistently compete against these big teams that have got international flavour and budgets like they have, it's uh, highly unlikely that we can. I, I'm not saying we can't. I mean, wonderful that we beat uh, La Rochelle. But to do that this weekend and next weekend against Leinster and the following weekend against Toulouse and win a competition is is I think it's a it's a shot in the dark. I, I just don't think we have the depth of the squads that will be able to do that on three consecutive weekends, and that's what it's going to boil down to. It's going to boil down to, and then in between that, having to play against Leinster and Munster and Ulster and uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh. Uh, in the URC, so I don't want to sound like the prophet of doom, but until we get until we get our best players playing in South Africa, and it's important, guys. I mean, if you want owners to own clubs in South Africa, surely they should have the ability to have the best teams playing in South Africa um, every weekend as well. They they don't want to be putting money into a competition or into a franchise that only has you know only has players that are. Or I sort of want to say that are the next best because the, the best players are afforded the opportunity to play abroad. Jack, that's a debate that we could probably uh, discuss for, for hours, uh, but we're probably a little bit short of time now. Last question from me, and this is changing the, the, the topic completely, and it's on a much lighter note. Uh, we also discuss wine on the show. When you have a moment of quiet reflection or when you have a moment to, to sort of save a, a good win, or competition win. Uh, what are you likely to have in your glass? Uh, Liam, uh, I've got to say, my wife owns a wine farm. Her family owns a wine farm. Her kids own a wine farm. <laughs> you chose well, <laughs> okay. I would have to say it would have to be oven tea wine. Um, but having coached the Bulls, I think the only wine they drink here is Brandewein. So, uh, mm, the brandy yeah. special does a little flow. Yeah, brandy, brandy would probably be the thing out of uh, out of a trophy, and I, yeah, I yeah, mm. suppose that uh, having coached at Pretoria and coached the Bulls, it's uh, it's something that they that they talk about a lot. So yeah, I've indeed one if I had to, um, mm. and I'm saying if I had to choose a wine, but I think the Bulls players would probably put brandy yeah. into the into any trophy that we win. It's a lot better than if you lose a Curry Cup final having to drink alles verloren. 
Correct, 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 correct. Out of a, actually, like, listen, I'm not going to say Alice Falurin, whatever you want to call it, but anything out of that uh, runners up mug doesn't taste nice. <laughs> Alice Falurin is actually a splendid one, to be honest. Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. And then I, I just want to say, I think there was one of the Springbok farewell dinners when Jake was still Springbok coach, where uh, we went to, I think, Santon Convention Center, one of those places. And they gave everybody a bottle of Alice Falurin as the box were leaving. I thought, geez, that wasn't very good, good thinking as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Jake, thank you for your time and thanks for that. And good luck. And hopefully there's lots of brandy in, in the, in the, uh, on, in the change room on Saturday. Thank you. Thanks, Brendan. Yeah. Thanks, Liam. Nice chatting. Thanks, Jake. Ciao. You're with Brendan Nell and Liam Delcom on the To The Last Drop podcast. We're back, and uh, after Jake, we've just got one more thing to do. There's a bunch of Christmas and bo- Boxing Day games on the go. Uh, it's Derby weekend. It's it's huge. Uh, in Ireland, they call it St. Stephen's Day, on, uh, not Boxing Day, but there's some massive games on this weekend, and uh, let's go through them. Liam, I think just to first, just to tell people the Sharks and the Lions are not playing. Their Derby has been postponed to the 6th of January, so they'll be there in the new year. Uh, but, yeah, let's go. The first one uh, uh, on Friday... Uh, yeah, both teams uh, very much uh, a capricious form this season. I suppose Connor probably uh, probably better, less up and down as as uh, than if you compare to Ulster. But I mean that home ground advantage uh, does count for lots. So I'll still go Ulster by about four points. Yeah, I, I sort of think Ulster might have hit their straps there last week. That big win over Stade Francais. Um, yeah, that uh, that was. Was it was no sorry racing sorry it was racing, racing I get them mixed up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an easy one to mix up. Yeah, they they it was a big win for them and they played well. Stephen Kitzel had a wonderful game. So um, I'll I'll say this though: those two present clubs are woeful on the road from time to time. So um, if there's one matchup where you shouldn't read too much into a big home win, it's probably you know when it involves one of those uh, Paris yeah. clubs. But anyway, it's that's still a good win. A win is a win. Yeah, uh, and then the eighteen seventy two cup. Uh, yeah, Franco Smith against Sean Everett, a very big one for us South Africans. Um, uh, Glasgow against Edinburgh, um, playing in Glasgow. Yes, uh, this should be a very tight one, and it's also, I suppose, uh, from whether it's a Scottish or African perspective, a, a tantalising one. Um, both both teams good form, decent form this season. Uh, Edinburgh certainly a better side than they were last season. Uh, I'm going to go with the home side based on the fact that I think they've had more uh, crunch battles over the last few months uh, than Edinburgh. I think they're a bit more hard-backed. So I'm going to go with Glasgow. I'd have to agree with you there. I think the one good thing to watch in that game, and it's worth putting on the TV alone if you, if you want to, is the fact that I see Pierre Skuman is going to shave his head for, um, a cancer charity, which is, which is really stunning of him. Uh, and, and we've all known, I've, I've known Pierre since he was a junior and, um, I've never seen him shave those locks and it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like without them. Are you suggesting that he's a bit like Samson Lee? Uh, you know, once uh, the hair goes, uh, well, maybe not Samson Lee, but hopefully not uh, <laughs> Samson. Uh, Saturday, of course, the big Italian uh, derby, uh, Zebra hosting Benetton. I don't think I'm going to just jump in here until say, no, I think Benetton probably wins this one nine times out of ten. And on their form this season, I think they'd have to start as quite, quite firm favourites, even though they're playing away from home. I, I can't disagree. Uh, Benetton by, uh, I'd say, 18 points. 
Yeah, and then Saturday night, the big local derby in Cape Town. Now, we've heard now Jake um, speak as well. We know the history. We know everything. I think uh, that for me, uh, I, I'd, I'd like, and I'm going to say what I'd like before I make my prediction. I'd like the Bulls to win for one reason and one reason alone. I think um, any good rivalry needs needs wins from both sides. Um, and I'm, I'm also, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I, I know it sounds terrible to say, but I mean, it, it makes it more spicy, but the longer it goes on, the longer it becomes almost an obsession for the Bulls to win. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy for them long term, um, or for Jake, to be very honest. And uh, so I'd like to see them get get one win at least and uh, break that duck. And I think they've got a much more balanced team, as Jake pointed out himself, uh, going down this time. And the, the big thing is the last couple of years, the Bulls haven't played badly against the Stormers. They, they've just had these soft moments where... The Stormers have scored uh, the game in Cape Town last year, two tries in three minutes. Uh, you know, there's those sort of things that happen. So I, I'd say the Stormers are still favorites for me, but um, I'm going to go with the Bulls win by four, four, five points. So you're saying Stormers favorites, but you're still going to go with the Bulls? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult one to put your finger on in that uh, the Bulls uh, look the more uh, accomplished side um, of late. Uh, I think they've they've improved since last season, and you can actually see it. the The Stormers have not hit their straps yet, but as we saw against the Bulls previously, and as we saw last week, as we witnessed last week, they find a way of winning. And you know, so even if they are off their game a little bit, uh, they they tend to dig deep and they find the crucial moments uh, to claw their game their way back into the game. So. Uh, that said, I mean, uh, this certainly is a good opportunity for the Bulls to go away from home, uh, in, in that derby fixture and, and get a, and get a win. Um, I'm gonna go for the hell of it for the Bulls. Oh, okay. By two points. Three points. Okay. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, uh, I'm sure Dobbo's going to send one of us a message later when he hears this, but uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it could go either way, but I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, you know, last minute penalty, maybe this time goes the other way kind of up. So yeah. yeah. I think it'd be good for the rivalry if there isn't, if the Stormers don't win. Um, I think it will add spice and yeah, the Stormers can very easily come to Loftus in February. And when they're yeah. not scared of winning there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Either way, it's going to be a great game. Make sure you watch it. Yeah. To, just based on last week, you can see that the Stormers are, uh, you know, they are not as cohesive as they, as they want to be. The, the game management, although they pulled it, they pulled it through in the end. Um, you know, they are, they're still misfiring in certain areas. And I'm not oh. sure if a week, in a week, they would have made up that ground, but we'll see. I, I think the big thing there is whether Warwick Holland strikes for him or not, because he, he tends to do some strange things, and when it sticks, they're brilliant. When it doesn't, Jeez, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and but he does tend to come right again in Bulls games uh, historically. So, yeah. So it's going to either way. Very interesting. And that then we we take everyone takes a Christmas break. Lots of lots of uh, gammon and uh, turkey or whatever you eat over the Christmas period. Uh, and uh, Tuesday, St Stephen's Day in Ireland, Boxing Day for the rest of us. Uh, two first two Welsh derbies, which I must admit don't really whet the appetite given the form of the Welsh teams at the moment. Uh, but we're going to handle them together quickly. Uh, Cardiff uh, at home against the Dragons, and Scarlets at home against Ospreys. Um, to me, them Cardiff probably favourites there because just their performance against Bath was really probably one of their best performances of the season, and it was really a great game to watch last week. Yeah. Yeah, for me, not probably favourites, firm favourites. Uh, yeah. They should win that, and they should win it uh, probably at a canter. 
Dragons have been very, very poor. Uh, and, and Cardiff have actually had some half decent results this season. Yeah. Um, Scarlet Osprey is a difficult one to, to, to pick. Um, yeah, the, the Georgian team, Blackline, yeah. that's last week. So you don't actually know. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure to pick one there. I'd say if I, yeah, it's a difficult I'd one with Ospreys. Mm. Um, but yeah, just because just for the want of a lack of a, a team that's informed, to be very honest. I'm going to go for a draw. Ah, why not? Low scoring draw. Yeah, low-scoring draw. A nice three-all wind and sleet and snow. No, no, no. I'm not. No, no. I won't do that to them. But uh, let's go um, nine-all. Okay, nine-all at least. With one drop goal or something in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the big one, of course, the one that's uh, dominated headlines in Ireland this week, um, not for the mm. game itself, but be, just before, because <laughs> of the signing that Leinster have made. Leinster play URC champions Munster at Thorman Park. Uh, of course, the big news of the week is Archias Neyman, who, who has played a total of 10 games for Munster in four years. They've looked after him <laughs> incredibly well uh, you know, and gave him a new contract. And now that the contract is over uh, and the Irish Rugby Union are pushing for them to bring in a young through a younger lock, uh, he's gone and signed for Leinster. And, uh, and that's quite ruffled quite a few feathers uh, in, in, in the west of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and long may it continue <laughs> the ruffling of Irish feathers. Um, you, uh, for me, it's not uh, you know it shouldn't be that big a deal, but uh, it, it has become that. Um, you know, whether for, for me, whether he plays for Munster or Leinster, doesn't really matter. Um, but but I mean the the the, the one sure thing is when Erkis Neyman is fit and he's in your team, uh, the man is a force of nature. So, you know, well done to Leinster on that front. Um, Whether at the end of his contract, you know, they will sit back and say uh, they've got their money's worth, that's entirely up to them. But, you know, if they can get him on the field and get him onto the field regularly enough, he's going to be a superb signing. It's a strange one because it's a one-year contract I've I've seen. And, uh, well, that's from the reporting we've seen. Um, and then I also wonder how much Jacques Ninova's arrival at Leinster had to do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Liam, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we really, it's maybe not for us in South Africa. I mean, Stormers players go and play for the Bulls and, and the Bulls have got ex-Stormers coaches, guys like Andres Becker and Chris Rousseau. Yeah. We don't quite have that same sort of animosity, I suppose, in, in between. It's not exactly like, uh, yeah, you support Liverpool. It's not exactly like being a blue nose or a red nose in, 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 in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's just it's it's interesting the reaction just seeing that yeah the sort of suggestion that you don't go play for the other club, um, and it's, that's been interesting to watch. But I'm sure Archie is not going to get a standing ovation when he comes out uh, when he appears at Tormund again. He is injured <laughs> at the moment, but um, I'm sure yeah, it's a professional game. You don't you buy the player's services. You don't really buy loyalty nowadays. No, you don't. I mean, rugby increasingly uh, is becoming like like football. So, uh, yeah, we can forget about those notions. In terms of the result on Saturday, uh, or sorry, next Tuesday, um, yeah, it's again a tight one to call. Um, but I'm going to go for Munster. Uh, I think I won't join you there. I think Leinster, just because they're just such a well-oiled machine and they, they tend to win even when they shouldn't. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating day. I don't think Munster and, uh, quite got that sort of yeah dominant that that dominance off their back as as such, if I can put it that way. Yeah, the thing is that there's no doubt that Leinster is the better side, but I think the Snowman thing and a few other things, um we spoke about ruffling feathers. I think uh, this probably just awoken the mongrel a little bit in Munster. And I think that uh, will be a big factor in this game.
Yeah, no, I, I'm honest. It's going to definitely put a lot of spice into that game, and definitely something to watch on Boxing Day. Uh, in between, if there's some cricket on there, if, if you're not going to be watching that, but there's well, this is late at night, so the cricket will be finished by then. So yeah, uh, big game as well. Lots of big games this weekend, and a merry festive Christmas for everybody. Uh, Liam, we should tell people we're taking a break till the. Uh, Second week of January, we'll be back for the European Cup action. We're also going to try and um, have some off time and spend some time next to a pool or something like that, or have a drink with a with an umbrella in it somewhere along the line. Uh, uh, but yeah, have a, I hope you and yours have a, a great festive Christmas and everybody listening as well. Make sure, make sure it's worth the holiday and enjoy it because these holidays, rugby's for the rest of the year. We're not going to get too many chances to do this again. Exactly. I'm going to be short and sweet. Happy holidays, everyone. And that's it till 2024. Cheers. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.